Greetings, friends. Welcome back to The Journey with Rhonda and Kalia. We are so excited that you are joining us in this space that we've created to just talk and reflect and sometimes even laugh about all the experiences that we share um, in life. So thank you for listening in today. Now, if you are listening for the first time, we invite you to go back, check out a few of our previous episodes to get to know a little bit about us, this podcast, and just to connect with the Journey family. So uh, over the last few episodes, we've been exploring different types of relationships in our lives. We've talked about our mothers, we've talked about our husbands and children and friends. And so today we want to, I guess, kind of round out that relationship series that we've been on. And in today's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about the father-daughter relationship and just celebrating um, our fathers on this Father's Day. So we welcome you to listen in as we reflect on some of the lessons we've learned from our fathers. So, hey, Rhonda. Hey, Kalia. How are you? I am good. Why don't you get us started and just um, share a little bit. Talk to us about your relationship with your dad. Tell us a little bit about maybe how it's evolved over time, how it may have shaped how you looked um, for a partner in life. Anything you want to share? Sure. So first of all, happy Father's Day. Um, this is always a special day. I feel like Mother's Day, we know uh, in a commercial sense, it is a very popular holiday. And I think that uh, typically gets all of the love, but I really appreciate and, and enjoy Father's Day because I think it is this opportunity to lift up men in your life who have either or your biological father, a father figure, someone who stepped up. But I think that we don't give enough love to the father, fathers in our lives. So I'm, um, I'm happy to be doing that today. And I think it's really special to be able to do that in this format. So my dad, so I, uh, my dad is Albert Pelham. He is um, also known as Pops. I call him Pops. From, from time to time, um, but most affectionately known as coach. So my dad, just a little bit of background, um, has always been really involved in our community. So grew up in a town called Montclair, New Jersey. He is still active there doing a little bit of everything, involved in, in, in pretty much every aspect of life there. But growing up, my dad, he coached, he, there was a church league that he coached and just was always around um, sports, youth sports and served as a coach and mentor to tons and tons of kids, like as long as I can remember. And so when, when I was pregnant with Charles, yeah, it had to be with Charles. When I was pregnant with Charles, we talked about, you know, what do you wanna be called when you are a grandfather? And he's like, I want, to, I want the kid to call me coach. So it. we, it just stuck. And so now he's coach. Um, I call him coach sometimes. People that are not his grandchildren call him coach because it's just become such, um, I think, um, a term of endearment for him. But um, yeah, my dad is, my dad is um, such a special and, and important force in my life. Um, he... Uh, 
you know, I would say growing up always just a constant figure there. So my dad was the protector, provider, um, just someone that I always looked up to. But I would say that as I got older, uh, through my high school years, and certainly as I went off to college, I think something changed in our relationship in a really positive way. So we had a great relationship, but it was not one where outside of, you know, just kind of everyday things that we talked deeply about stuff in life and in different issues. But I think that when I got to college and looked to him, who he's the college graduate, and I want to say might have been the first in our family. I need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that he was. I very much saw him then now as this figure who I could look to for advice in ways that I didn't look to, to him maybe before when I was growing up. And so I think that our relationship has continued in that way where after I graduated from college and I got my first job and I was trying to figure out how to navigate different career decisions because my dad himself had a really long career in accounting. Not that I wanted to do accounting, but I saw him as a professional, one who had explored um, uh, this this profession that I look to as as a model, and so it just um, it, our relationship, I think, began to deepen in that way. And I would say now it's just continuing. Where he is the person that I call when I want to vent about work stuff really not necessarily seeking leadership advice, but knowing that if I share something with him, he's going to drop some nugget, drop some knowledge on me. And I always appreciate that. And I would say more than anything, when I look at the career decisions, life decisions that I've made, um, I realize my father has been such an influence on that. And so he is currently the the runs one nonprofit so he's a president and CEO of a nonprofit works during the day to sort of run the office for and operations for another nonprofit works out every day manages to do that all in the sort of span of a day mm. and so when I think about how I've made some career decisions that really focus me more on mission-based work in organizations that have impact that is a hundred percent without a doubt attributed to my dad and so um yeah so my dad has influenced me in ways that I don't think I started to realize until I got older. And then I would say, and, I, and I'll end here because I was thinking about the question and um, one of the sub questions you asked was, you know, how did it influence your, your choice of partner and, and maybe even dating? And I would say that I don't think on the surface I wouldn't look at my dad and then look at Charles and say, oh, you married somebody that's just like your dad, right? They have lots of differences. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, when I think about the dependability, the being a provider, protector, being a constant presence, being an amazing dad, um, you know, being a little bit sarcastic and funny, um, <laughs> there are a lot of things where I'm like, wait, did I? I kind of maybe married my dad in, in all of the ways that I think are really important. Right. And so, you know, you'll hear it here first on this podcast that maybe perhaps <laughs> without <laughs> knowing it, my dad's influence on my life 
certainly shaped um, the values and the things that meant the most as I was discerning this person who came into my life now, gosh, 23 years ago. And so just even dating and, and sort of figuring out how you make those decisions about what's important. I do think that my dad, um, without a doubt, had an influence on me. So um, that's that's sort of, I, I did a broad, uh, broad brush stroke, if you will, of, <laughs> of Rhonda and, um, and Albert's relationship. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about your father? Yeah, sure, um, gladly. So my dad is uh, Von Terry Jelks, born, and raised in Gary, Indiana. Um, and anyone who's from Gary knows that that brings a very unique type of personality uh, in, in an individual in and of itself. And there is just a charisma or swag that comes from that uh, Midwest upbringing, particularly the Gary, Indiana, Chicago feel. And it runs through him um, all day long. So he is, uh, he, he's just a very special personality and, and in many ways that I just love and humors me and has always humored me. Um, and so, yeah, he is a creative. So that's one of the things that mm. I definitely get from my father. He is um, a fashion designer. So as I said, he was born and raised in Gary, Indiana, and then um, left Gary and kind of made his way through a couple other places, Milwaukee, and eventually uh, made it into LA. He and my mom ended up uh, going to Los Angeles, and now he lives in New York. So uh, Los Angeles okay. is really where the booming of his creativity and entry into uh, the design industry really happened. And he has been the fashion designer for some of the greatest entertainers that we have um, known. And I, I love that. That's a, a spark in my own upbringing because you grow up in LA and like celebrity life is not unusual, but you grow up with a father who's doing all the designing for, you know, oh, some wow. of the greats, the temptations, prints, like, you know, all of these individuals, like they're a part of your life. And so it's just a normal, like, everyday thing sure. um, growing up. And, and that helped me um, in so many ways of just grounding me. And, and we'll talk maybe a little bit, I'll share a little bit about um, how that has shaped me a little later, but I'm very grateful for that. Um, yeah, so he is, he's just been the anchor, I will say, to mm. um, a large part of our family. A lot of my family on my dad's side moved to Los Angeles. It was kind of, he moved out and then he brought um, most of, of the family out there and, and, and helped to establish lives and um, careers. And so several, you know, 45 years later, um, we are rooted in, in Los Angeles, California, because that's kind mm. of, he's the one that, that really planted us there. And he's just that person who, um, is very lighthearted, doesn't take life too seriously. And I remember um, that just being a light for me, even as a kid. And then maybe in my young adulthood, I was like, what are you doing? You, you ought to be a little more serious. And now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, oh yeah, mm -mm, it's not that deep, right? Life is really 
not that deep. Um, and so I, I love that about him because he just, you know, he keeps he has a, keeps a pep in his own life and, and, and just the way that he navigates and maneuvers. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed that quite a bit. As far as our relationship, you know, some would say that um, I, so I am my, my father's youngest child. Uh, mm-hmm. So I am baby girl uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and baby girl comes with, with all the things that, you know, comes in a father, daughter uh, yes, relationship. And as a child, some might've said, you know, I was spoiled. I say deeply loved by <laughs> dad, you know, <laughs> that's the way I, I would name it. Um, but as we've grown and as I've gotten older, that relationship has remained very close and evolved into a beautiful friendship of mm-hmm. just openness and honesty and, I feel like um, I know my dad so well and and can can recognize ebbs and flows uh, and he knows me well as also. And so our our dynamic and our, our conversations and just our relationship, I've loved to see how it has grown as I've grown into adulthood and now into parenthood yeah. and, and just the way that he's grown right there with me and is very steady with advice. He, he can either give you all the advice or he can kind of hold back and just mm. slowly give you it and, and here and then slowly give advice here and there. And he's done it different ways uh, throughout my life. And I think they've been timely uh, in the times that he has yeah. done it and, and how he's chosen to either give me all the advice with the follow-up emails with the, so my dad's a super, um, super, super, I say health fanatic, but he really is where I've learned and probably my entire family has learned um, the healthy side, which also comes from his mother, my grandmother okay. of just, you know, healthy eating and caring for your body and, and really attending to and listening to your body so that you can live this life um, of in abundance and and healthy and and uh, that's been so important so I can I laugh and remember when I first had my first son uh, and and the number of emails of advice that I got about <laughs> like, you know, making the baby food and doing all the things, which was super helpful. And I'm, I'm thankful for it, but it's just so funny. Cause that's like, when he goes in, he leans in with the advice and it's always out of this sheer deep way of caring uh, and, and showing and, and showering the care. So I love it now when I see it, cause I'm like, okay, he has great advice for me, even as a parent and, yeah. and, and also navigating though, um, my own personality and, mm-hmm. and understanding, okay, she's going to parent her way, but I can also lend, you know, Hey, this is something that's great. You should think about it. Uh, so that is him. And, and as I said earlier, he's a creative, which means that he sees potential and possibility everywhere. And that's mm. one thing that is super, um, unique, I think, cause I don't know that everyone can do that where some of us might see people or things and just think of it as okay, average or ordinary, he's able to kind of suss out the potential and and the creative energy and how it can be more and how it can become, um, which lends to everything maybe being 
being a project of potential. And, and so thinking about it, like, where do I see life and potential and, and new opportunities in different spaces? And that's been super important for me. And I've seen it even when I've thought about where I'm going career-wise or when I've thought about how do I just release my own creative energy? And even when I have felt maybe boxed in at times mm -hmm. and just having conversations with him and simply maybe mentioning one or two things and the way that he can see 10 different possibilities where I wow. couldn't see it That's at amazing. all just becomes uh, mind blowing at times. And, and sometimes I'm like, dang, I wish I would have thought of that, you know, but it's, it's, right. it's good right. that he just has that gift of seeing this potential that not everyone can see and this ability to help push and encourage um, to move into those spaces of possibility. Mm -hmm. So I'll give that, that is a quick, quick brush um, yeah. over my dad for sure. So I, I love that. So this is so fascinating for me. And I think this is why I love this podcast so much, because while we are certainly wanting to do this for hopefully lots of people who are listening, friends, family, and other connections through those friends and family, but it's just learning more about each other's, which I think helps to deepen our own relationship, because Absolutely. I don't know that we've really talked much in the time that we've known each other much about our fathers. And so what was interesting for me in that last piece that you talked about is I see that, I see that in you mm. for other people. And so I think that that's a gift. And I don't know if that's something you, you actively think about and you say, okay, I think I got that from my dad, but I see it. So as you were talking, I'm like, oh, there you are. And so what all of that made me think about, and I, I, I get this sense that you can probably relate to this is you mentioned, you know, being the baby girl. So I am, um, my mother and father married in 1975. My mom had a son already. Um, my, my brother, um, she had from a, another relationship. And so my brother, I think was probably 10 yeah, he mm -hmm. was 10 when they, when they got married. And then I came along two years later. So in 1977. And so, but my dad is just, you know, my, he grew up raising, my brother grew up with him raising him. And, um, and it is, there's no distinction there, right? That's my brother. That's mm -hmm. my father's child. I mean, we just were a unit. Um, but, um, my father, you know, people always say, oh, you're a daddy's girl, or people will call me little Albert or, <laughs> you know, things that I think that they're, you know, probably ribbing at me about, but that I always really took with pride because I'm like, oh, my dad is great. He's an amazing man. He does all of these things. He's mm -hmm. you know, wonderful to his family. He's generous. He's all of these things. And I heard something recently that like just as of this past week, that really for me sort of turned that whole notion of this title of daddy's girl, one mm -hmm. that while I accepted, I never really thought it a hundred percent fit because when I think of daddy's girl, and I, and I think this is like me completely stereotyping, I think of this really, um, how, how would I describe this? Maybe 
very affectionate, very sort of relationship where there's lots of emotion shared Mm -hmm. and it's very tender and, and, and that is not how my dad and I get down. That is not him. Um, that is not us together. But so this woman said, you know, I'm not a daddy's girl, but I am my father's daughter. And Mm. I was like, Oh my goodness. That's it. That's that's it right there. And so as you were talking about your dad and I'm hearing all of this for the first time about you or about your father, I'm like, Oh, she is her father's daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. And I am Albert's daughter. I mean, you can look at sort of the path that I've taken in my career, the way that I approach decisions. Um, I shared in, I think, episode one of this podcast that people call me Rational Rhonda, mm-hmm. right? That is my father through and through and through and yeah. through. Now, there are obviously some differences yes. that we have, right? Because each person is their own person. But that when the woman said that, that really just hit home for me because I, you know, I said, I sort of puffed out my chest and said, that's exactly right. I want people to say that I'm Albert's daughter because he has, um, all of the wonderful things about him are things that I see in myself and that I may have a slightly different take on for me, but they are things, they are traits, they are characteristics, they are values, they are a way of looking at life that I a hundred percent got from him. Mm -hmm. Obviously things, and we talked in another episode about our mom. So I have this mixture of things with her as well. And so I like to think, that I've gotten the best of, of who both of them are to create um, me. But, but it is interesting because I think that the older I get um, and certainly just as I'm raising my own children, I'm like, yeah, Albert Pelham would do that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I see what my family meant. And, you know, a lot of times it was sort of as a joke because, you know, my father, like, you can't tell him anything. He knows everything. So those were usually the occasions Mm -hmm. where maybe I was demonstrating a little bit of that, where people would say, oh, my God, here you go. Oh, yeah. Well, Albert. So anyways, I just wanted to share that because that um, as you were talking about your dad and um, and, and just me reflecting on the things that I see in you, I thought, okay, we are both, I think, probably our father's daughters. We definitely are. That resonates so well. So I, I have to take that and and own that. That is a really good way of, of identifying mm-hmm. it. Because I think I definitely have moments, especially now as a parent, where I can clearly recognize that, yep, I am Vaughn's daughter for sure. Mm, and mm-hmm. a big part of it is that um, that space that that I've, I guess I've, I've inherited from him where you see the possibility and the potential and you lean into it for other people. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I will say, I've watched it for him that it doesn't always pan out in the best ways, right? Because there's a there's a part of life that that I've had to grow to learn that you, you can't always want for other people what they don't necessarily want for themselves. And so, Ugh. and what uh-huh. I know from him and what I've learned is that's something he totally gets and understands, but by nature of who he is, he's still gonna lean in into those possibilities for other people and still kind of give 
give those ideas and encouragement to, to get people to the next level, which baffles some of us uh, to say, well, why do you keep doing that? But I think he recognizes it. Or if he doesn't, when he listens to this, he'll, he'll recognize it now as this kind of gift to those around him. And it really is a beautiful gift when you are able to see the potential and possibilities in life and in people and you lean into that uh, for people. And so you're a part of their journey in that, in, in blossoming in that, or even seeing it or trying to see it for themselves. And I have recognized that as a gift. And you're right. I do see that in myself. I've started now because I see it in my children and I'm like, Ooh, I see, you know, Thomas is, is math whiz. So now I'm like, let's lean into that and cultivate who he is and and this potential that we see in him. And then I have to pause and I laugh like, Oh yeah, that was very much a voluntary move right there. Like that was very (laughs) much a bond thought process. So I am definitely my father's daughter for sure. Yes. Yeah. So one thing that I, that I'm loving about this conversation is so when you've described your father, just from, from the beginning, right. Just a creative, our fathers sound like they could not be more different. Right. Yes. Right? Like my dad is very just not a fashion designer, right? Mm-hmm. Like the opposite of creative in that way, but very, you know, very sort of practical, rational, um, very focused, very driven, which obviously sounds like something that your dad um, is as well. But I think one, one similarity, which is a little bit nuanced that I picked up on is that the way that you're, you described your father sort of seeing the possibilities and then leaning in and then you seeing that in yourself is in a lot of ways, my father does that for lots of people, but I think it's more from the space that he occupies of providing unwavering support, not judging. So Mm. helping you, right? Like you might be, it might be because you are trying to do something new or, um, you know, take a next step in your career or get a new house or something. And you just need him to help you with money, Mm -hmm. right. With some sort of resource and him doing that without question. So if he has it, you have it. He's not going to ask for it back. If you give it back, that's on you. It Mm. is this, he occupies a space of, I am a vehicle to do these things. If I can do it, I will. That's right. And so in that way, I think he does similar to your father provides encouragement. And there's really this boost for people who might not be feeling it for themselves or just might not be in a place where they think they can either get out of a situation or that they can take a next step in, in whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And in his way, which is different than the way you're describing, Mm -hmm. he's doing that very same thing and helping to establish a foundation. And so I love that there's this common theme there that looks very different for for both of them. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I I love that we were able to sort of connect on that because that's a similarity that 
on paper might not come out when you sort of put just even careers, right? What are they doing today? Yep. What could they possibly have in common? So, so there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's, let's think about this idea of lessons from our fathers. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've uh, drawn from your dad? That's that. And, and I guess think about the lessons and then how they've shown up in your life today. Mm, that's a good question. So I think there are a few. So, and, and this first one is not something that he has actually said, but it is more about the way that he lives his life. So I always say that my dad is, you know, Mr. Don't talk about it, be about it. Mm. So he is a man of few words. He just does. He just says, you know, these, these children in Montclair during the pandemic are staying at home by themselves at times because their parents are working hourly jobs and are essential workers. And these children need to have a place to learn and to have something to eat. Mm -hmm. And so that is an actual thing that he worked on and got done. And sure, there were people that he talked with about those ideas and that he was working with to get them happen, but to make them happen, excuse me, but he just does the work, right? He just gets it done. And so I think for me, that is something that I, I'm not as disciplined about that as he is, but certainly something that um, as I've gotten older, as I've even like explored this, this career move to Pittsburgh, it was very much something that I didn't talk with a lot of people about just as I was exploring it. Talk to my dad a bunch about it, obviously talk to my husband about it, but it was, I, I, I sort of felt his presence as I was making the decision to sort of be in your own space with it and just get it done and do the work to sort of figure out if that's what, what I wanted to do next. So that's just one way that that, that shows up. Um, but my father, so two other quick things. One of the things um, that he's taught me is sort of the power of your language and your thoughts. So he framed mm. for Charles, um, I don't know, he probably was five years old or so, uh, maybe a little bit older, something that he just sort of developed on his own that he, um, or maybe adopted from, from somewhere else where he read it, where it essentially says, you know, if you think good thoughts, good things will happen to you. Mm -hmm. If you think about greatness, greatness will happen to you. If you think negative thoughts, negative things will come into your life. And it's a very sort of like cut and dry, almost simplistic way to think about it. But I think what he is, was trying to convey and was really intentional about it with Charles and still is, is that you, you do actually have control over how you process the things happening around you. And mm -hmm. so this is not to say life is going to be perfect. And if you only like, you know, walk around thinking happy-go-lucky kinds of thoughts and that's the way that your life will go, mm -hmm. but it is that you have, you have some control over the perspective that you have. And so that leads me to the third lesson. And it really, it, and it's been coming, um, it's been showing up so much recently in 
our lives um, in his life and conversations that we've had just about um, various health matters and, and, you know, things happen in life that are not always ideal. And my father's perspective when he has dealt with his own health challenges is like something I've never experienced before, like truly believing Mm -hmm. that these things might be happening to me, but you know what? I can face them head on and I can start the process of controlling what I can control. Mm. Some of the stuff I can't control. So if it's happened, it's happened. What can I do now to move this thing forward? So you need me to do chemo? You need me to do radiation? Okay, cool. Let's, when are we scheduling that? Because I need to get on this path to be able to then get over this thing and then, and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Like mind blown, right? Mm -hmm. Like occasions where... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Those kinds of things might be devastating to me, right? Mm. Or to others. My father's perspective, man, I it it keeps me grounded in ways that um I am now finding that I'm applying just to any the smallest thing I might be dealing with or thinking about. I'm like, okay, so what are we, what are we doing next? Like, mm-hmm. how do we get to the next step of this thing? Yeah. So that we're actually chipping away and actually still moving forward. We're not going to ignore it, but we're going to face it. And uh-huh. so that's, that's it. Those are the lessons. And those are things that, um, you know, when life happens as you get older and the older you get, the more that life happens. And that's so right. I feel like I am in this constant space of regularly having to apply some of those lessons that my father um, has taught me. So, so those are just love a few it. things I could write a whole list. Cause I, I do love that. There's a ton of stuff that's still just sort of, you know, he'll drop or that he'll demonstrate that I, that I think are also uh, pretty impactful, but I really want to hear about um, some of the lessons from your, from your dad as well. Sure. So um, it's great when you have someone else go first, because then you think about it in your mind, you can, you can pull it together and articulate it, right? So there are tons of lessons, I will say one of the one main lesson that I've learned um, that has stuck with me ever since I was a little girl and would go to church with my dad on um, Sundays. And it was this, this practice of tithing in, in just, you know, the, the principle of tithing, right. Um, giving the 10%. And it wasn't so much just that practice, which yes, watching him do that was, was really, really impactful in, in, in my own faith, but it was about the faith practice. So to mm. know my dad is to not even think that he lines up with the kind of typical Christian stereotype, right? This is a man who's been in the entertainment industry in one way or another um, for all of my life. So it doesn't like, again, he doesn't kind of fit the the stereotypical, like a deacon in the church kind of profile, but I've watched him over the years uh, and, and how he owns his own faith and, and, and has no apologies whatsoever that it doesn't look a certain way. 
Uh, and he's just fine with how he practices his own faith. And that freed me up so many ways of like, wait, it doesn't have to, I don't have to do this thing the way that you say I have to do it. I have to do it the way that's true to me and God. And that's all that really matters in this equation, right? So there's that, just that principle or, or that faith practice that I watched, which is really um, great to, to, to recognize. Cause my, my parents are like on two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to, to just, you know, faith, my mom is, is, is a preacher. Right. And I tell you, know, in our episode around mothers, I told you, she has this direct line to God. And this is, this woman is like faith goals all day long. Um, right. and, 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 and then to, to even be able to say, but, but even for my dad who, who practices it and it, it looks and, and is manifested very differently. Um, there's still this principle that is key that has always settled with me. And that has been, again, for me at five and at six and going to church with my dad and, um, watching him write his check and sometimes letting me write out the check. And so, you know, learning that very early and it's really stuck with me. So that's one of the lessons. Another lesson I will say, if I had to kind of name it is kind of don't be afraid to play the game. And, Mm. And just this understanding of the game of life. Don't be afraid to just get in the game. If it's a job opportunity, don't be afraid. Go submit your resume, have the conversations. If it's whatever it is, like don't shy away from it. Don't be afraid um, to play the game because you're qualified to be in the game. And that's the part that has always been very special. Um, My there there's, never been a moment where I've, I have not thought I couldn't do, like, I've never thought I couldn't do something. And that's really come because like, you know, like my dad has always been like, go ahead, do it. Why not? It's always been a, why not? What are they going to say? No. Okay. Well then they'll say no. So that's really the big lesson of just don't be afraid to play the game. And that's even in, I remember working as a buyer when I lived in Miami and just playing the politics, the internal politics of institutions and organizations and, you know, particularly major corporations. And it was like, hey, it's a chess game. So let's have a conversation about how you move your parts on this, you know, Mm -hmm. on on this board, but this is not something for you to shy away from. So that's been the other one. And I said it earlier, but it definitely is the lesson that I've learned and shapes how I navigate just in life is just things are never as bad as you think. And I, I literally live in this, it's not that deep space, um, which people call it nonchalant. And it's really not that I have a nonchalant personality because I do care deeply about things. I just live in this space of it's never as bad as you think, right? It really isn't. Uh, And then in hindsight, we come back and say, oh yeah, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And he's proactively, you know, living in that, that zone. And I have, I've learned that. And I think the last one um, would be nothing that he said or stated, but more so just the way I've read his life. Um, So Mm -hmm. I would be projecting this lesson onto him. And it's really this lesson of like, perfection is not the goal 
as much as mm. it is impact. And, and I've learned that because he's by no means, you know, a perfect human being and none of us are. Uh, but I've seen just that th him being driven by impact and how he's impacted people's lives. And that has helped me because I am like the secret perfectionist and always trying to, you know, in my mind, like that's, that's a part of me that I battle daily of trying mm -hmm. to be perfect and remembering like perfection's not the goal. It, it's really about impact. And that drives me in ministry and in academia and in parenting and in friendships and all the different ways um, of my life. So yeah, those, those are a few. I think I'm like you, I can sit down and maybe we should like write a little book or something of just like list down all the lessons, lessons. and see, see what we come up with. Cause well, there we are already several, know, you know, the journey, I think, you know, in all of the conversations we've had, there's more to come here, That's right. right? There are Absolutely. all these conversations that, and y'all truly, this is the first time we've sat down to talk about our fathers. And yes. I, I have goosebumps just all of the lessons you're saying, I'm like, oh, that's on my list too, right? <laughs> and our, we've described our, our dads and they're, they're very different, but so, so similar. And the one that I want to highlight, and I know we're probably getting toward the end of, um, of this particular episode, but one thing that you said that I, I have been thinking about so much, like really the past, call it five, 10 plus years of my life, um, is really how my dad, so growing up, you know, I went to church every Sunday, but I went with my mom and we went and we would go to my grandmother's house and probably go with my grandmother, but mm -hmm. we were always, it was the two of us going to church. And my dad did not go to church with us regularly. He mm -hmm. goes, he has a pastor that he really, um, that he really loves now. And, and of course the, the church that um, this pastor is connected to is all about being out in the community, making impact. So it's the kind of ministry that he really, that he lives himself. But I remember just as I deepened in my own faith walk and became more mature in my faith, I, I realized, I was like, my dad has been living a life of faith. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been going to church, but he's been living a life of faith in ways that, and this is not about comparing people or saying that because he's doing one thing and other yeah. people are going to church that it's, it, this is not about that. It's not uh -huh. about comparing, but I think he has been my example that a life of just going to church mm -hmm. and that's sort of what you do because it's routine or because someone has told you is not the answer necessarily. That is not the path, um, the only path to salvation, if that's you right. will. Um, and so I'm like, my dad has been really living this life. Like his life is, is a testimony to all that God does and provides and and he believes that stuff so deeply like I always say and I don't say it to him so he's hearing it for the first time but my dad is living a life that like he doesn't actually need to be eulogized right mm. he is 
living his eulogy as we speak. And yeah. so, um, so when you said that about your dad, just, you know, the way that he approached faith and what his faith looked like was a little bit different or not maybe what other people expected that really resonated with me because I think we do sort of have a box that we put people in and say, okay, so are you in the church? What's your leadership position in the church? Mm-hmm. And, how often are you at the church as a way to measure how spiritual you are, how That's faithful right. you are, how good a Christian you are. That's right. And that ain't it. That's just <laughs> not, not at it. all. So, <laughs> so anyways, all. thank you for sharing that because it was something that I've been thinking about um, and didn't lift up about my own dad, but but wanted to just to sort of piggyback on that because I think that's yet another way that our dads see. Um, are, are similar and have had impacts on, on both of us. So, so anyways, I, love I just it. wanted to, to add that. I love it. All right. So as we round out this episode, um, cause I think we may be over time from what we've committed to you all who are listening, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I, bear with us. Um, describe your dad, three words, just in three words, describe your dad. Okay. That's easy. This is an easy one. Decisive generous, so, so generous and loyal. Mm, Love it. Love it. Okay. So if I were describing my dad in three words, creative, charismatic, and adventurous. Oh, I love that. I love that. Awesome. All right. So, um, Thank you, Kalia. This was this was so good and, and fun and, and, and just I loved being able to talk about our dads. And so I was um, wanting to find something that I thought would really honor this space of Father's Day and and help us to give some praise to all the fathers out there and in particularly our own. So I found something um, and it's actually entitled Praise Those Fathers. And so I'm gonna read some of it. Um, It's a little bit long, but I'll I'll read uh, most of it. Let us praise those fathers who have striven to balance the demands of work, marriage and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. Let us praise those fathers who, lacking a good model for a father, have worked to become a worthy and virtuous father. Let us praise those fathers who, by their own account, were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer those children, now grown, their love and support. As well, let us pray for those fathers who have been wounded by words and actions of their children. Let us praise those fathers who despite marital discord have remained in their children's lives. Let us praise those fathers who as stepfathers freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and earn their stepchildren's love and respect. Let us praise those fathers who have lost a child to death and continue to hold the child in their heart. Let us praise those men who have no children, but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. Let us praise those men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. Let us praise those men who are about to become fathers. May they openly delight in their children. 
and let us praise those fathers who have died, but live on in our memory and whose love continues to nurture us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. 